left, right, left, right, left, marching, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching, marching. What's going on, everybody? I am Timothy Lawson. This is Fuel for Warriors. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. This is your first time checking out the show. This is a podcast that focuses on the warrior mentality. I talk to America's military veterans and maybe some foreign military veterans. We'll see if we can work that into the the show as well. I talk to some athletes and just, you know, anybody that resonates with the idea of being a warrior. This is a collaboration between my organization, Lost in Entertainment, and then Lock and Load Java. We partnered up to uh, to do this show because we had uh, a similar passion for the message and uh, just thought it'd be a whole lot of fun. If you haven't yet, go into iTunes and search Fuel for Warriors. You'll find our show there. You can subscribe. You can get this automatically updated into your feed. And best of all, if you listen on the Block Talk Radio, you may have to hear an ad or two bet- before the show starts. If you listen, if you subscribe on iTunes, you don't have to worry about that. And also, make sure that you're checking out LostInEntertainment.com or LockAndLoadJava.com for more of what we both have going on. This week's episode features Jacqueline Carisosa. She is a gun nut. She's a fitness model. She races motorcycles. She's a, she's a Navy veteran. She's just an overall badass, and she's not hard on the eyes either. If you don't know about this young lady, you can just Google her. Just go into search and uh, go into show notes and click on the links that I have for her. Uh, she's on Twitter at BroJack. Same on Instagram. I'm gonna let those accounts speak for themselves on who she is. I can go on and on and on about the cool things that she's done, but I'm just going to roll into this interview and let you get a chance to hear it from her. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Enjoy. Hey, Warriors. This is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today. And when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockAndLoadJava.com and use the coupon code FUELFORWARRIORS to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, Warriors, we're here with Jacqueline Carizosa. She is a Navy veteran. She was once on the Veteran Empire podcast. It's It's been a while since that interview. I, I, I've had a few repeats on Fuel for Warriors here, and I think that uh, it's been the longest since we originally had you, and a lot has been going on in your life since then. Uh, before we get into what you're doing now, let's get let's first get an idea of your thoughts on being a warrior. When you hear the word warrior, what comes to mind? What is that warrior mindset to you? Somebody who gets shit done. I like that. Uh, relentless mindset and usually pretty uh, accomplishing. Pretty good. Do you uh, do you feel you re- feel you resonate with that term, a warrior? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I have it tattooed on me in Spanish. So. <laughs> do you really? What is, what is it in Spanish? Um, guerrilla. Guerrilla. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to do guerrilla for for or fuel for guerrillas. Yeah. How do you say fuel? You know, say fuel. Uh, gasolina. That's, that's Ga- cool. <laughs> <laughs> gasolina para guerrillas. Yeah. Jacqueline, when, we, when I first talked to you back in the day of Veteran Empire, uh, you had just done the video that was on World Star Hip Hop, and you were getting in like fitness modeling. 
Uh, you were playing with guns and stuff like that, but not, I think, as serious as you are now. Uh, maybe catch us up. What what exactly is Jacqueline doing these days? Like, what do you what do you claim as your profession? Um, well, I work with guns. That's still that's my job. It has been my job. And now it just escalated. So now I've been picked up by a shooting sponsor to shoot nationally. Um, and I will have to shoot a pro qualifier for uh, national, obviously, um, pro three-gun. Uh, three-gun is a series of uh, pistol, rifle, and shotgun where you shoot as fast as you can. I race motorcycles still. So um, I race dirt bikes, and I'm doing pretty good. I, I've done three out of this um, season so far, three races. You know, the modeling comes in between. I just got picked up for Hart and Huntington as a personality. Um, so I'm doing a couple of things for them here and there. And I'm kind of like their off-road gun girl. Off-road gun girl. It's mm-hmm. quite the title. Mm-hmm. So what uh, what has improved? So you, said, you know, guns has been your thing for for most of this. What has improved in your uh, in your shooting or in you know what weapon systems have you mastered better? Uh, what sort of progress have you seen in that part of your life? I, I would probably need the question to be a little bit more specific because I, I deal with everything seriously, um, from artillery to small explosives to full autos to pistol, rifle, shotgun. Um, what so what has been what has been the drastic change then in your profession with guns and in, in uh, since we talked to you two years ago? Um, I would say it's just probably getting a little bit more uh, serious, so to speak. Um, I've been doing work for night vision companies, and we've been training uh, also with the local SWAT here in town, um, training them on night vision and, and partially thermal training. I guess you could say I've done more concealed carry training uh, with my business, and also, um, you know, just I, I guess you could say it, it's just been going around and business has been booming for a little bit because. You know, the more you work, the more opportunities come your way, things like that. Um, get yeah. a chance to expand your business and such. Sure. And so you were recently down in Georgia. I, I see, uh, you know, I follow you on Twitter at BroJack and, and also on, on Instagram. And uh, you, were, you were down in Georgia recently, right? Yes. Yeah. What were you doing down there? Um, I got the wonderful opportunity of being an honorary guest speaker uh, for the Student Veteran Association there um, to raise awareness for female veterans. Uh, there was other female veterans there. Uh, there was two Marine females. There were um, an Air Force lady and a few Army gals, and I was the only Navy representative. But being the honorary speaker was pretty amazing um, to speak about PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, military sexual trauma, um, suicide awareness, depression, anxiety, everything that a female faces that can be overlooked when she gets out. Um, you know, it's not as common to see a female veteran under the age of 25, you know, especially anywhere from the age of 31 to to 22. Uh, it's not common for the U.S. to see that. So, and I mean, they've probably seen more than their male counterparts just on the civilian side. For them to come home and try to explain it to people is is a little pretty it's a little difficult you know they usually end up discussing their experiences with with veteran male counterparts or you know if they're lucky they can find another female veteran I, I did the math um, out of the whole U S population 
only 0.12% are female military members. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and there's about 3 billion people, like 309 billion people in the U.S. How did they discover you, the uh, the SVA chapter down there? I guess um, David, David is one of the students there, and he's a Marine veteran. He was looking up female veterans, and he had originally wanted to bring out this real celebrity girl. She's like a movie actress and things like that. And this real celebrity girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess her price range was really, really, really high, and the school couldn't afford it, so I was their next option. <laughs> Very well. Yeah. And what's what points did you make uh, when it came to like PTSD and suicide? I mean, you, Jacqueline, you know, uh, as well as our audience, I do a lot of work in the veteran suicide space. I'm just curious as to as what, what your message was there. I guess the best part I could recap on for you was when after the speeches, we had an opening for um, questions. Mm-hmm. And all of the females were up on the front. One lady had asked if any of us had had, like currently have PTSD. One of the females, she does. She actually actually got diagnosed with PTSD, and she also suffered from military sexual trauma, which psychologically you could see how that kind of coincides with military sexual trauma and then having post-traumatic stress. As you know, post-traumatic stress can occur with anything, not just with being in combat. So sure. with with sexual trauma, it's similar to civilian rape and stuff like that. So you can, you can make that psychological connection. But so she talked about it, and she said that she experiences several different points of, of depression and things like that. And uh, so the lady who had originally asked the question was like, okay, so they'll be depressed or, you know, they'll be angry. And I asked for the mic and I made it super clear that that is not true. Post-traumatic stress disorder and and suicide awareness go hand in hand. So I wanted to make it really, really clear to the lady that they will not always show signs. Um, They will, especially if they're men or they are strong people, they will mask it until that unfortunate timing. Um, I had three friends that committed suicide, and all three of them were like the happiest people you could hang out with. They were all Afghanistan veterans. They were all OIF or OEF veterans. And when they would hang out with everyone, they did not show signs of depression or, you know, anxiety or, or being mad, you know. One of them... One night out of nowhere did it. The other one got really depressed one night, ended up, you know, alcohol, drugs, and shot himself. And then the other one got in a fight with his girlfriend and lost it. You know, um, most of it comes to the point to where they feel like they don't have anything anymore to value themselves with. And I wanted to tell her, well, I did tell her that, when they come home, they're not not unstable, but they're they're delicate, right? Um, and they're not going to express that. They will mask it, and they'll be macho, and you know, just watch them. Like try to try to be there for them and take care of them as much as you can, but don't do it in like such a way where you're like overbearing, and you know, like you're really obvious that you're like overly concerned, you know, but. I guess that's like a really good friend, you know, like call them every day or see them every day or, you know, like just things like that. 
you were at Shot Show, right? Yeah. You at Shot Show. Yeah, our, our friends at Lock and Load Java that uh, that work with us here on the podcast, they uh, they're they're uh, annual attenders of the uh, of the Shot Show. Um, you know, being you know, you've been in you know firearms and guns. I don't know, what do you call that industry? You call it guns? Just guns? You you've been in that industry for a while. Are there a lot of females that are involved in that industry? I feel like the I, I feel like I see a lot of them, you know, being glamorized, if you will, like on Facebook and stuff like that, and it makes it seem like they're a little bit more prominent than than I, than maybe one would imagine. But you know, do do you work with a lot of females at the range? I I do work with females. I have um, there's about uh, like ten girls in my range, and there's more with in our city that work at ranges as well. Um, so there's there's plenty of females in the gun industry. What are some challenges that you're facing uh, either professionally or personally, sort of on a routine basis, and, and how are you working to overcome them? I would say one of the challenges is that when you first show up and you're a pretty female, so to speak, the instant look on most people's faces is like this, oh, God, here we go. We're going to have to... Look out for range safety, et cetera, et cetera. But when you start shooting, I mean, that kind of solves that problem. <laughs> for anybody, for anybody in the audience that is not familiar with Jacqueline, even been, even uh, you're listening on iTunes, whatever you haven't been to the site yet to see, Jacqueline is a uh, very attractive female. I'll just put it. My girlfriend listens to this show, so I have to. I'll just leave it at that. She's a very attractive female. Uh, and I can imagine that you get stigmatized on your looks much before you actually perform. Right. Once you start shooting, does all that go away, or do you still feel like you're treated differently because of your gender from men inside the industry? Oh, no. It, it definitely it, it levels out, you know. Like, they they kind of see it as, like, a problem at first. And then, well, you know, the serious guys, the ones who are like, oh, well, pretty girl, you know, they don't see it as a problem. They're like, let me help you. <laughs> but... <laughs> Once, I mean, once you start going, then and you can talk the lingo and everything. Like, they don't really get mad. Um, it's more of like, oh, okay, we can actually talk to her. How far out of the military are you now? You a few years now, right? Yeah, May 2015. Here in a couple of days, I'm officially contracted out. Done with the. So you're done with the IRR then, huh? Yes, yes. Uh, you gonna miss it? You gonna miss those uh, those MWR and commissary benefits? Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> You ended active duty, what, four years ago then? Yes. You know, this far out, what's still sticking around from your, from your military service? Is it, you know, like what, part of, what part of your character do you think is still there that, that really got instilled in you when you were serving in the Navy? I think my lack of being able to take BS, basically handling my own weight. Handling my own weight is a big thing for me and my work ethic. Um, I wouldn't say my work ethic has slowed down. Other than I'd have to, I had to figure out how to reroute it, so to speak. When you're in, you have a job, and you know you, you know that's what you're supposed to do, and you can excel at it. And then when you get out, you you got to figure out your own thing. Yeah, absolutely. How long did I mean? How long did that? Uh, I I know the military audience will uh, definitely appreciate that. How how long how long did it take you to sort of find your place after you got off of active duty? I know a lot of veterans struggle with that transition. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of veterans like myself, you know, you uh, end up exhausting a lot of energy and resources, sort of trying to find yourself. Uh, how long did that take for you? I think that's going to be different for everyone. Even even civilians struggle with that. It, it took me, I would say, maybe like two years to even 
figure it out, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, I was doing things, but getting started in the direction I'm at now and actually finding, um, you know, like reason and purpose was was something new, you know. Um, coming out of the military and then jumping into to business licensing and everything and trying to do everything myself. Um, I don't come from a history of, of business family, you know, so if you're into something, dive into it, you know, like read all about it, learn all about it, do everything. You're going to make mistakes. It's hands down. It's going to happen. Um, but you can't, you can't let it stop you at all. Like you got to learn from them and definitely don't beat yourself up over it. I, I had to learn that, you know, and you got to keep going, you know, be strong for yourself, if anything. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So the uh, the question that sort of rounds off the the interview, Jacqueline, is what ultimately inspires you? You know, what's getting you up every day when you face these challenges, both professionally and personally? Uh, you know, what what's getting you, giving you that extra oomph? You know, what is that fuel for for you as a warrior? A big push, I would think, for myself is family um, and females. My nephews mean the world to me, and I don't want them to see – I want them to see how strong women can be, how they should be, you know. Um, so they should they, – they'll recognize when they see a strong female, you know, and, and not think of it as, like, something else. Um, and I want to pass on my knowledge to them and also for my sister. My sister, she just became a Navy officer, and – she goes through problems here and there. And, and the nice thing is that I was an enlisted and I can talk to her about things and we understand each other. And I understand the world that she speaks of, you know, I would say I am, I'm really happy that I can help her with that, you know, especially when she has, you know, like issues that she's not sure like what to do. I can speak from experience and tell her, you know, like the best way to handle things or, or to not handle them, you know, which is, I think one of the most important things is that when you can't fix something, knowing when to step back from it. That's re- that's a really that's a really good point. Um, all right, so at uh, at Bro Jack uh, B R O J. What is the bro part of that, by the way? <laughs> what is the? I've never. I, I don't know if I've gotten a chance to ask you this ever, uh, and I wonder it every time I see your handle. <laughs> yeah, where, where's the bro come from? Okay, so <laughs> I have a friend. Travis, who is a who's still active duty in the Navy, he used to call my truck. It was a, a wannabe pre-runner. It was built up, had fenders and everything. And he used to call my truck the basically like kind of like low jack. Like every time he saw my truck, he knew I was coming. Or every time he heard my truck, he knew I was coming. So he was like, he's like, it's kind of like low jack for for you. And then he was like, oh, but it's a bro truck. So he's like, oh, it's bro jack and then he's like oh that's your new nickname and then it sounds funny but it kind of stuck and then it's nice because my name is too long like i'm hispanic my name is like thirty thousand letters and <laughs> i can't i can't put at my name you know because it's just crazy right. and nobody will remember it and so when i was coming up with that i was like you know what i'm just gonna put that you know it has meaning behind it it's funny like that's why I chose it. That's why it's it's bro jack. It's it's basically like the hey, here I am. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's the bro jack. Yeah. Yeah. What um what so what is your full name then? 
Um, my full name is Jacqueline Nicole Carizosa. Is uh, with with thirty thousand letters in it. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what about Jacqueline? It's it's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, everybody should be following you on Twitter and Instagram, Bro Jack for both of them. Uh, I thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Tim. And I'm uh, I'm Timothy Lawson on behalf of Carl Laurie and the rest of us here at Lock and Low Java. Left, See you next week. Right, left, right, left, right, left, marching.